to another episode of Just a Quick Pinch. I'm your host, Connie Wang. Alrighty, you guys, I'm very excited because this is the first episode that I'm ever posting on YouTube as a video. So hi guys, if you guys are watching the video format on YouTube. I know some people really enjoy watching this kind of like video podcast. I know some people like listening on the go too. So I figured why not do both? First things first, a little housekeeping. I'm really excited. I know you guys have been enjoying having two episodes per week. I kind of wanted to make sure that the focus of this podcast was always for young women in healthcare. And I feel like even though having Jimmy around for Hippocratic Oaths is great, we need some focus in there, right? So that's why I've decided starting from now on, <laughs> this is why it's nice being in charge of your own podcast. You can just make decisions like this. I decided that we're still gonna do twice a week episodes. On Fridays, our episodes are gonna be called Chief Complaints, where your Hippocratic Oaths, Jimmy and I, we're gonna be answering your chief complaints. You guys will, every week you guys can submit like questions, things you need advice on, stuff you need like, you know, that like big sister advice on, whether it's for work questions, career questions, school questions, have a problem with your best friend, have a problem with your boyfriend it's all going to be included basically in chief complaints on fridays so that way things are basically staying the same just like more focused but yeah tuesdays are still going to be our focused main episode and then fridays are going to be chief complaints our basically our advice column for the week so Without further ado, let's get into this week's episode. First things first, we got Hot Girl Huddle. Hit it, editing Connie. Alrighty, you guys. So first things first, we have our healthcare horoscopes of the week. If you guys are watching this on YouTube or new to this podcast, this is where I just choose a tarot card of the week. So for the week of February 20th, 2022, we have but this week our card of the week is it's the four of pentacles upright so the keywords of this week are saving money <clears throat> i need to work on that security conservatism scarcity and control i'm sure jimmy's gonna appreciate all of these things this week let me just give a quick description the Four of Pentacles asks you to examine your relationship with money. Are you accumulating wealth and investing your money wisely, or are you desperately clinging on to every single coin? Also a company's scarcity mindset, especially with money and material possessions. There's also... Ellie? Thank you, Ellie! We're doing this new thing. Ellie, thank you! Thank you so much! We're doing this new jog training thing where when Ellie barks, um, we tell her thank you because it's kind of like, oh, like, thank you for alerting us that the intruders are here. Your service your service is no longer needed. Like, you don't have to bark anymore. Did I hear four of pentacles? <laughs> hi, Jimmy. Everyone say hi to I Jimmy. I think this is a repeat uh, <laughs> This card? Pull. Yeah. Um, I swear we, like, read this exact thing. Or, you know, Biddy Tarot is... Uh, us this week. No, I think if anything, the universe is trying to tell me, bitch, save more money. Let's Bye. see, where was I? Bye. Don't become so attached that you lose sight of what's important to you. Friends, family, happiness, and love, and more money. So yeah, okay, that is our healthcare horoscope, our tarot card of the week. Now onto my intakes and outtakes, my eyes and nose, my ins and outs of the week. So anyways, my in for the week. I 
honestly just like spend a lot of time on my phone as you can imagine and like life is just passing me by so my new thing that I've been trying and I'm obsessed with it I've been trying it for the last like 48 to 72 hours but every time I go to pick up my phone and mindlessly scroll like on Friday night or like whatever after school when I'm trying to decompress I reach for my Kindle instead um, and the little hack that I did on my Kindle is I turn the brightness like all the way up this isn't gonna make sense but bear with me here I turn the brightness all the way up and I do it on a cool setting on the Kindle so it kind of like simulates the bright light of the phone and I know this is like so not zen or healthy but honestly it's just been like the most helpful way for me to kick my phone happy because it's just making it a lot more similar to my phone um it's like less quitting cold turkey and I miss my phone less because of it so it's kind of like if you're trying to be healthy like you can't just munch on like carrots and celery right away you need to add like a dip a hummus or something to like make it more palatable and honestly I've noticed a huge difference because now I feel like looking back on my nights like the last 48 to 72 hours I just feel like I remember a lot more I feel like it's a lot more of a memorable weekend I've been a lot more present and like I know that's the whole thing that everyone's going for nowadays it really works you guys like honestly our phones are our problem so 10 out of 10 i support replacing my phone with my kindle and then my out of the week is just letting myself feel like i can't enjoy things because i have stuff coming up i realized like i'm a very like not in the moment person similar to my end of the week is like when i have a plan later at night if i have a plan at like 6 p.m i'll think about it like all day long and i'll kind of like try to rest all day long because i'm trying to like conserve my energy for the 6 p.m activity but that's kind of bad because then I let the whole day pass by just for what just for like one activity at night um, So I'm gonna try to work on this I notice I do it a lot or like for example if I don't have any appointments in the morning But I have like a 1 p.m. and a 4 30 p.m. I'll spend all morning kind of like thinking and ruminating and kind of like waiting around for that 1 p.m. when really I could just like spend my time and like I don't know. It's it's like this weird thing where I feel like I have to conserve my energy, but by doing that, I'm not really living in the present moment and I'm just kind of like waiting for the next big thing. So uh, yeah, I think that honestly, like my end of the week using my Kindle instead of my phone is gonna help me be more present. But I think just being more aware that like this is a bad habit that I have, it's gonna help me kind of kick it. So my out of the week is just not letting myself enjoy the present. Alrighty, so that is my ins and outs for the week. Now on to spit talk. Alrighty, so for spit talk this week, um, not much is going on. Honestly, at school, things are kind of getting interesting because this coming week is accreditation week, meaning like I'm pretty sure like some important people are like coming to the school and trying to make sure that we're like following on the rules and that we're like a good dental school. I don't know. So yeah, it's accreditation week here at Tufts, so people are a little stressed out or at least the higher-ups, I'm assuming, are stressed out, which means that us lay people, us little people, the peasants, we are also stressed out as per usual, um, more so than usual. But yeah, other than that, I'm kind of just practicing for, I have my last, last, last part of my licensure exam uh, coming up. It's in the middle of March, but I'm starting to prepare for it. Basically, we have to do like two, we have to drill two fillings, fill two fillings, and then we have to do like a deep cleaning. I know that sounds simple, but it's kind of like really stressful, as you guys know, like working to like the 10th of a millimeter on like these plastic teeth. So I'm just kind of getting a head start on it. As you guys remember from my podcast, like in August when I took the first part with the crowns and the root canals, I was so stressed and for some reason I kept convincing myself I was gonna fail even though I did pass. You know what's interesting? I think this is growth. I'm very proud of myself. I feel like this time around, I've just been so much less emotional about it. Like I really can't describe it any other way other than the fact that like now I feel like I know that I can pass, I know what to expect, I know that I can do it despite feeling so stressed out, so anxious, so like, 
scared, preparing, and in the moment. Because in the moment, I was just so thrown off that I was like, oh my god, is this really how it ends? Like, am I gonna, like, let myself, like, fail just because I feel so anxious? And I feel like that experience was good because, if anything, it showed me that feelings really don't matter. Even if you're doing something and you feel like you're doing it wrong and you feel really anxious and you feel, 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 all these things, it doesn't matter. Because at the end of the day, you can still pass feeling even though you feel like you failed, even though you feel like you're not doing a good job. So, I think this time around, I think part of me is less anxious because honestly I just have like so many bigger things to take care of like finding a job and like planning the rest of my life and like treating like my patients and stuff that like I don't really care as much about this plastic tooth exam because I'm kind of like I know eventually I'm gonna pass like it, I have to pass and I know that I can pass so yeah I think it's partially that partially not caring because I have bigger fish to fry and like I'm kind of just like more anxious about like I'm not anxious. I, I just have more going on for the end of the year. And then I think I also just feel less emotional, like I said, because like I know what to expect and I don't know. I just think like I realized that there's no rational reason to put emotions into the things that challenge you because it's not really going to help you, if anything. So this time around, I just, I, I feel better about it. Honestly, like last time around, I was like, oh my God, if I fail, I will die. Like it was just such a huge thing for me. So yeah, this time around, I just feel a lot more like grounded and at peace with it and also less emotional. So I've just been practicing for that and that's what I've been up to recently. And yeah, that is all I have for Spit Talk this week. Now onto the main episode. I hope you guys enjoy this new video format. Thank you so much for watching if you guys are watching on YouTube. Um, and thanks so much for listening. And yeah, now onto the main episode. Alrighty, you guys. I have Callan here. This is the collab that you guys have been waiting for. We are both Rhodey alumni from, you know... I talk about pharmacy school all the time to my audience as if it's like the coolest place ever because like the thing was it was like pretty painful but like there's just a special sauce to your eye pharmacy would you agree Callan? Oh I agree there's like this little sparkle to it I think that you know it just it just grabs you yeah yeah it really does so kind of give me like the background story first before you or I where did you grow up and where are you from? Yeah so I'm originally from Southern California grew up there and then I ended up uh, going to University of Rhode Island for my undergrad, and that's where I worked for a research pharmacist at the time. Actually, Dr. LaPlante. She, you know, she did your <gasps> oh ID courses. Yeah. Love so her. I worked with, worked with her, um, actually babysat her kids for a bit, and um, she kind of was like the inspiration for me going into pharmacy school, but I didn't know at that time. So mm. I, you know, I did my undergrad in biological sciences, and then shortly thereafter, I knew I wanted to go into the healthcare field at, at some point. Um, but it was, yeah, pharmacy. And so I ended up transferring into the PharmD program at URI and did pharmacy school from there on out and, uh, really liked it. So yeah, it's kind of a little bit background on my, you know, growing up and then college years. So yeah. So tell me a bit about, I know sometimes like, like I meet some people that are like, oh, I've known I wanted to do this since I was like in the womb. Like what was your thought process? Like when you were like six, seven years old, like what did you dream about doing? Um, I wanted to be an author, a professional snowboarder oh my gosh and I think an anesthesiologist because I just it sounded cool and honestly I had no idea what it what it was but um <laughs> definitely not any of those now I feel like I'm kind of an author with writing and yeah. science in a way um but yeah th those were like my my dreams as a, as a as a kid definitely when I was six but I think yeah when I was six seven I definitely did not think I would be where I am now it, yeah. what about you did do you feel like you would have been it, when you were seven, did you think that you wanted to be a dentist or anything along those lines? 
Definitely not a dentist. I was actually like hardcore anti-dentist because I hated the sound of the drill. I don't know if like you were, like the sound of the drill, the whole vibe. I was like, ew, teeth, um, <laughs> which is like kind of funny now. But I feel like, yeah, when I was a kid, I was more like, I like actually knew I kind of wanted to do healthcare, but I also wanted to, it's funny looking back now because it makes sense with the podcast. I wanted to be a talk show host because I really liked watching Ellen and mm-hmm. I thought she had a cool job because I was like, oh, it's so easy. You just sit there and talk. And now I'm like, oh, that's like kind of, it's like kind of hard actually. Yeah, it's kind of hard. You're like, oh, wait a second. That's like people are like, oh, TikTok's so easy. Like you're making yeah. videos and you're like, no, it's like, it's kind of hard. Like I'm cutting and editing things and I'm saying re- weird things and I look weird and there's just so many things going on and you don't realize all, all the stuff that goes on behind it. So yeah, yeah I definitely can relate to that <laughs> oh my gosh okay first of all you definitely don't look weird miss callan <laughs> is definitely like underplaying it you have like 120k followers on tiktok how has that been um it's been good i've honestly i've kind of taken a little hiatus because i've been so busy moving and, and starting this new job and starting the phd program mm-hmm. that i just don't have a lot of time to do a lot of things social media related but um i'm hoping once like this month is over it's gonna get a little bit smoother and I can make more time for social media and post my TikToks and get more on the Instagram bandwagon, I think with reels and stuff. So yeah, yeah, once it kind of dies down a little bit. I like totally feel that because I feel like sometimes in life when you have like super big transitions, it's kind of like the last thing I want to do is like show up on the internet because like I don't even know what's going on like in my day to day. So um, yeah, tell us a bit about like that move and like, well, so to give the audience some backstory. So Miss Callan went to pharmacy school. We both, like I said, went to URI and you recently decided to start a PhD program. Before that, you went through the whole match process and everything. How right. was the backstory about, you know, your whole transition going from pharmacy school, then to matching into a residency program, and then ultimately deciding to go the PhD route? Yeah. Okay. So I wanted to do a residency because I wanted to get, you know, this clinical robust training, and I felt like it would definitely aid in and my future goals as a professor or maybe getting a tenure job, I would have that clinical background to do research. And so um, as I was going through it, you know, I ranked programs based on a lot of different criteria, um, interviewed with a lot of different programs. Um, to put in reference, I interviewed, I think, with about 10 programs um, and then ended up ranking about six and matched with my number two and, um, you know, based on some criteria that I, you know, wanted was like research, early commitment um, of different programs and things along those lines. And um, I think just things that were advertised, um, you know, just didn't follow through or was translatable when I did get there. And so that was definitely a big shock for me. And um, amongst other things, too, which I kind of get into with my podcast on our first episode, but um yeah, you know, I, I felt like this was, this program at least was, you know, no longer a conducive option for me or in my learning environment. And so that's kind of where I had to make this decision of where do I go next? You know, do I right. drop out of residency? What are people going to think? What is my mentor going to think? I'm going to let all these people down. And and so I was kind of going back and forth. And so that's, I, I made this decision where, you know, if something feels wrong, it's probably wrong. And if something isn't conducive to your well-being, your mental health, or you know your learning environment, because that's what I was there for, um, you know, you don't you don't need to go through with it sometimes. And, and standing up for yourself is probably the best thing to do in those times and in mm. those moments, I think. And so um, that's when you know I talked to a couple of mentors, asked them their perspective on it. 
Um, am I making a mistake? Am I overreacting? And things like that. Um, but you know, we had a, I had a good consensus, and they had my back, and and I felt like this was definitely the right decision for me, and so ended up going through with it, and uh, moved up to actually one of my dream position, which I really wanted to, was work in this infectious diseases laboratory in Detroit and um, ended up able to get a job here and I work as like a research associate slash kind of like postdoc, <laughs> sort of weird um, transition. And then I'm also getting my PhD um, at the same time. And so I think this also sets me up for my career goals as far as a tenure track position. And I'm able to do a lot of the same things that I wanted to do, just a different path, you know. Um, mm. And it's just not residency. And I'm I'm totally fine with that. And, um, you know, I think that's kind of like my, my little path right now and what I'm doing. And, you know. When you were, like, in the whole residency, like, looking back, I guess, on your residency experience, those things that you felt like didn't quite line up with what you were envisioning, I guess, do you think that there was a way that you could have, like, back then – either like checked that or like made sure that those things didn't happen or do you think it's the kind of thing where like sometimes you just truly don't know until you're in it I think it's definitely a mix of both I I can say with COVID things were mm. virtual right so True. we we weren't able to go to the hospitals or you know see their culture or meet these people in persons in, in person and um yeah I wasn't able to see the hospital I wasn't able able to see you know where they worked or what they did or how, like you know their demeanor you know you're only interacting with maybe a couple people out of the whole program and maybe they'll pick two residents out of 20 mm. so you're not getting a, a very big picture of or perspective of you know maybe the whole program per se um, so that was definitely tough. I also looked at programs that were outside of, uh, you know, the, the East Coast area, and um, that was new. I've never been to any of these these places before, these states. So it was kind of a bummer because COVID and it was all virtual. So I really didn't get to witness that, if that makes sense. You yeah, know, whereas if sure. maybe in, in person, I could have sorted that out a little bit better, or I could have asked some questions but virtually, it's it's hard to do so, and I think that was definitely a big, big factor into this. Um, but yeah. Something that I think a lot of people think about is a lot of times we make these decisions and we form our identity around this decision. It's like, okay, I'm going to do this residency program. I'm Cal and the resident. Mm -hmm. right. And then mm -hmm. when you realize it's, like, not a good fit, then you're kind of, like – it almost feels like you're afraid to like change that whole image or you're like, it's just back to that. Like, what do you think people are going to think? Yeah. How did you like overcome that kind of feeling? Yeah. And I kind of felt like that, like, wow, I built my whole like social media, right. you know, my persona around this like resident, right? This is what I was, this big thing that I was doing. And, and I was like, oh shoot, this is not working out. Like, I don't know how, how I'm going to tell everybody this. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I was definitely nervous and um, I definitely had to rip off a bandaid and just go for it. And I mm -hmm. also talked to my mentors, which helped me a lot um, mm. just to kind of get that validation to make sure like what I was doing was kind of right and I, I was going the right way and I kind of had a backup plan going moving forward right um, so yeah it was definitely a mix of both I would say what was the best advice that your mentors gave you you know do what's right don't do it for your parents don't do it for doctor so-and-so don't do it for professor so-and-so do it for yourself and what you want out of life and what you want out of your career um, you know, don't do it just because of, you know, X, Y, Z or, or other things, you know, make sure you're doing it for yourself mm -hmm. um, first and foremost. And I think that was something that really resonated for, with me. And 
um, yeah, I had to do kind of what's best for me. And so that's sort of where I ended up. Honestly, I feel like that's been the hardest part of like being in my mid twenties is kind of figuring out like, what is, who is me? Yeah. Like, uh, what am I doing? With my yeah. Life? <laughs> no, like actually like, what am I doing? Because like school does not set you up at all to get to know yourself. If anything, no. you have to like shut yourself down. I feel like, and like, just not think about yourself as a person and just like compute like robot wise, you know? Right. That's how it feels. Uh, so Honestly, I love learning about, like, why people love the things that they love. And research has never been a strong suit of mine. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. Research is not... I'm, I'm not a research girly. But I love hearing <laughs> why, why certain people love research. Like, what is it about the process that you love? Or is it the, like, mental puzzle that you yeah. make? What is it? Okay. Well, let me start off by saying, why Why don't you think you're a research girly? Like, like okay. what, what did you... What, did you have a bad experience in, like, chem lab? You blew something up? Or, like, what was what was going on? There? You're just like, I can't do this. Definitely have blown many things up. Um, <laughs> shout out to Orgo Lab, where we had to, like... <laughs> oh I, we had to, like, chiturate or get some kind of product of some yeah, sort. Yeah, I remember Yeah, that. totally. <laughs> the thing was not spinning. Did not work. I feel bad for my lab partner. But, honestly, the reason why I don't think I'm a research person is because... I don't really like being the one to, like, come up with stuff or discover stuff. Does that make sense? Mm, like, yeah. I kind of don't want to be the one to find out stuff. I would rather have someone else find something out and tell me, and then I can tell the world. But I don't want to kind of go down the path of will it, won't it. Like, I don't like that part of it. I you know? see. That's so interesting. For, for me, I love, like, being the one to discover it. So, like, there are so many things going on in my mind that I'm like, oh, it would be so cool if I could create this drug to do this and oh if God. we could solve this. And so, like, I start writing down. I'll be just, like, on a bus or, like, my car, and I'll just write down stuff in my notes. Like, oh, it would be so cool if I could, like, invent something. You know what I mean? And I yeah. think that's always been in the back of my mind, and that's what kind of keeps me going is, like, oh, I can do this maybe if we tweak this. And and coming up with that, that's what I like. I See, I'm the opposite. I don't yeah. want to go tell. I just want to make it, and then someone else can go relay that information, you know? Oh, my God. Um, I think we're the dream team. <laughs> yeah, we're the dream team. Uh, so, yeah, that's kind of – that's interesting. I always like to hear every, other people's perspectives, but that's kind of, like, what helps – like, what why I like research, I guess, is that I get to create these cool things that – Sometimes people don't know about, only I know about in that moment of time. Mm. That could be super helpful to, like, the human population. And and I don't even know it. Like, you know, or people don't even know it. And I'm the only one who knows of this, like, critical information. It's, like, super right. cool. But also well, scary at the same time. <laughs> would it ever get to you? If I think part of why I don't like going down the route of, like, I don't know if it's going to work out or not work out mm. is because, like, I don't. I don't like feeling like I put all this work into something to have it like not turn out. So how do you kind of handle that disappointment if say you're doing an experiment and it didn't um, like work out the way you expected? Like, do you get down about that or do you get fired up and you're like, okay, let's figure out why? Yeah. So I think there's pros and cons. Like if something doesn't work, you're still finding out something that's valuable. So oh, like, okay, okay, if this doesn't work, then I know I can like rule out some other things and then try to pivot a different way. So whether it works or not, yeah, it sucks if it doesn't work. But I also know another thing since I know it doesn't work. Um, right. And then I can move on and maybe change my experiment a little bit better to move it. And so I still learn something whether or not it works out or doesn't. I like I like when it doesn't work out sometimes. Sometimes I don't want my experiment to work out because I don't want that outcome, you know? Right. Um, and so – yeah, so for me, it's, it's kind of a, a balance, but yeah, I think it's it's good and bad when it doesn't work out, and um, you just kind of take what you have with it, and then also, I think, 
with research, you kind of have to, you do a lot of research before you do your research. So mm. you kind of have a good sense of, will this work? It should work. And then if it doesn't, let's go back to the drawing board. Um, right. It's so, never like completely a blank state. You're yeah. You're not like, something. hmm, let me spend like 20 <laughs> hours on this and will this work or not? No, like I have a pretty good idea. This is what's going to happen. Let's see if it happens, you know? And so that's kind of where we go. Cause it would suck to spend like days on an experiment and just not work out, you know? I so, feel like yeah. this made such a good analogy actually to like life kind of like we should all kind of approach life as a research project because you're right even when things don't work out like for example the residency position it wasn't for nothing you learned that that wasn't the right path so it helped you adjust to find the right path if anything while you were at uri like doing like the pharmacy courses and stuff like that what do you feel like was like the hardest semester or the hardest courses that you did and like what were your favorites too Okay, so P1 year, definitely the toughest year, I oh. think. Yeah, as you as you know, there's just so many classes going on. You're learning mm -hmm. so many things. Medications sound foreign to you because you have no idea what anything is. Yeah. Um, I never worked in a pharmacy before, so I was definitely new to everything. Um, so, yeah, P1 year is definitely tough. Big learning curve. Um, I think those were, like, my hardest classes was, like, cardio and understanding just how to study I think mm. looking back maybe it would have been an easier class if I had it my last year I don't know you know what I mean yeah but also oncology was super tough but I think if I had oncology my p1 year I would have thought that was the toughest one yeah no so, I you know what it is I feel like learning pharmacy and I can now say this kind of feels slightly different than dental now that I've gone through it in pharmacy, it's like really learning a whole new language because you're, the way that you build your sentences, for example, is kind of like learning your ABCs, like inhibitor, mm -hmm. antagonist, like all these phrases that like P1 year, we were literally like infants trying to be like, okay, it antagonizes the antagonizer. Mm -hmm. Like our, our little brains just like couldn't wrap around that. <laughs> no, I, I could not understand. Binding affinity, affinity is not affinity, yeah. but then this is like a toxin poison. I was like, what is going on? Like I had no idea. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's definitely like learning a language. I feel like you have to get a good foundation and then work your way up. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Was ID your favorite? Oh no, gosh, no. Really? No, 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 no way. I, okay, so I loved pharmacology portion of anything. I got, got pharmacology, it. anything. Pharmacology was my jam. You know how you had those therapeutic girlies? Therapeutics was my worst. I was yeah, so, so not those, therapeutics. Yeah, you had those therapeutic girlies, and then you had like the pharmacology girlies, and you either did really good on one or terrible on the other. I was yeah. definitely a pharmacology girly. Loved that. I was su super visual learner. Mm. I like to see the structures. I, I did very well on those exams, but when it came to therapeutics, especially ID, you have to critically think and the answers can be anything mm -hmm. they all are right but which one is the most right that's what threw me off and i think that's why id was like definitely one of my toughest as far as like therapeutics go was mm. my toughest course um i think that was my lowest grade actually um but it kind of drove me to do a little bit better you know mm -hmm. so that's kind of what sparked my interest like oh i wasn't good at it let me try to get better in it so yeah yeah what about you like what was your oh, toughest man. Uh, I liked uh, law. I was weird. I liked law. I don't know why. I liked it. Law? Yeah, no, I, I hated law. There's no way for me yeah, to, to really. I'm like, I really hated I law. Oh, you know what class I love, though? I, I wish this was required because it was just so much fun. It was with um, Dr. Serum. It was medicinal plants. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was supposed to, I was supposed to take his elective, but it got filled up and stuff. But oh, my yeah. gosh, I love him. So tell me a bit about, like, the PhD program because I like don't really have any concept of what it's like going through a PhD program. I know you have classes, but like kind of compare it if you can to pharmacy school. 
Yeah, so it's it's definitely different. Um, your first year is usually your didactic courses, and it's this is going to depend like on different PhD programs. But I think for the majority of places, don't quote me, uh, you usually have like a didactic semester or semesters, and then you do rotations throughout people's labs, or yeah, professors' labs, and then you get to pick which professor you want to um, do your research with. Um, or you go in and you already know you're the professor you're doing research under, and then you take certain courses that are specific to your degree. Um, mm -hmm. So I think the difference between these courses are they're difficult, but I think going through pharmacy school, I know how to study well for mm. them. Um, but the difference is, is very it's very critical thinking, whereas pharmacy school, you can kind of memorize things and just like check the boxes, like right? Plug and not chug. Really, yeah, not really understand it or you're moving so fast where you, all you do is feel like you're memorizing and not really understanding or grasping the material. Um, but here I feel like I really have to like know that what I'm doing. And the tests are not on exam soft, which is super odd to me because like the past four years I've been only on an, a computer taking my exams. Um, but it's, yeah, handwritten blank oh, wow. piece of paper right out blah, blah, blah. It's like a long question. So I like eight essay questions, um, all short answer, draw diagrams, things like that. And then I think the difference also is that, uh, you know, we sit for the NAPLEX, our board exams at the end of pharmacy school. To be a candidate, you have to kind of sit for an oral exam. Mm. And so I have to kind of go into a, a front of, in front of a committee of, of members who are obviously experts in immunology and microbiology, and they will ask me random questions. And I just have to know what everything and anything about immunology and explain it to them on like a whiteboard. So mm. that's kind of the difference is you're like, I have no idea what to expect. At least with the NAPLEX, you can kind of, you get a whole book outlining what you got to memorize and, and know. Whereas here it's like, just know everything. Right. Um, and it's not like a person uh, asking you that you're like, uh, it's like, yeah, like you don't get the questions before. Like what questions are you going to ask? It's kind of right. like, here you are. Um, but it's also cool because it's like I'm learning something that I like and I enjoy. So it doesn't feel like I'm just taking these classes just to take them and then get a degree or get somewhere, you know. And that's mm -hmm. maybe how you felt in pharmacy school. You're like, I just got to take it to get to X, Y, Z. Um, but I really feel like these are facilitating my learning and, and helping me in the lab at the end of the day, too. So, so it's good. But it's definitely a weird transition, I think. Yeah, it's 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 definitely different. I, I don't know. They're both hard in their own ways, I think. What is something that, like, like you said, you were kind of, like, enjoying the learning process? Like, not to go, like, too micro, but, like, share with the mm -hmm. audience, like, something that you thought was, like, really cool to learn. And also, if you've learned any new, like, lab techniques or any of that. I don't know. I'm just, like, learning new things every day. Like, micro mm. like microscopy-wise, micro-wise. I didn't know certain, like, um, microorganisms grows in certain ways. Um, learning a lot about like bacteriophages and um, oh, yeah, that's evolution cool. of bacteria and stuff like that. So it's it's pretty interesting. Um, refreshing my knowledge on immunology, going way more in depth than we did in pharmacy school. Mm. Um, and I thought immunology was tough in pharmacy school, so Same. it's definitely getting like really in the weeds. And I think that's yeah, like the difference of PhD is like it's like pharmacology on steroids, kind of. Where oh, you're really geez. going into it in like a scientific way and you're not really touching upon anything therapeutic clinical it's like pharmacology but a little harder than the pharmacology in pharmacy school that's and like that crazy because i like yeah. can't even imagine like i'm like there's more <laughs> yeah there like 
Like imagine them taking like the structure and being like, okay, well now these are like the DNA, uh, oh like gosh. side chain amino acids that you're putting into this, and then you're like, oh wait, I just thought it was like a, like a, you know what I mean? You're yeah. Like, oh, right? like I have no idea, and they're just talking about all these receptors and depth and like what the receptors are actually made of like if that makes sense i feel like your program is cool too because it's like you get to experience like still being a student and taking classes and learning but you also have that teaching component like what's been mm -hmm. your favorite part of teaching students so far i think like seeing them finish a project or do it right i think that's very rewarding so mm. it makes me feel like okay i taught them well because they did it right but also i you know it's very rewarding seeing them finish something out and and um you know seeing their hard work pay off so i think that's been something that's been really nice to see and um understanding different students um mm. students teaching level are yeah learning styles it's interesting because a lot of my students now are gen, gen z Right. Mm, and yeah. so there is there's so different than like teaching them, I think it's going to be such a different thing than teaching maybe millennials or another generation. So it's kind of like, how are we going to teach these new need these new students who all right. they know is like virtual classrooms and all this stuff? It's such a different learning environment for them. So that has been such a challenge, but also pretty, really cool uh, for me to learn, too. So how do you think they're yeah. like different? Compared to like, well, are you, are you Gen Z or millennial? I think I'm like on the cusp, but like more millennial. Yeah. I'm 96. So I'm. Okay. Yeah. I'm, we're like 90, 95, 96. Yeah. Yeah. We're like, I'm, I, I don't know. Like, I don't really know what class I'm like a zillennial. I'm like, yeah, a same a Gen Z -er. Like, I feel like I'm old enough to realize I'm like not that cool, <laughs> but like I have a foot in the door. Like I know what's cool. I just but know I I'm not be. it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like, like I, I could be. be cool. And I'm not going to be weird because, like, I am trying to do it. They're not going to be like, oh, that's so weird. You're not Gen Z. But, like, I could right. pull that card if I want. Right. We so, could pass it off. If, if we really we wanted could. to, we could pull our, like, Gen Z card. But We could. So I can kind of pull both cards. So uh, depending on the day. But I would prefer I'm Gen Z because that means I'm younger. So I just yeah, like so to stick <laughs> with I'm Gen Z. Um, but I do relate to them a lot. I think there's uh, – it's just so interesting. Like, they stand up for themselves. Yeah. They're not afraid to say stuff. They – if they don't like something, they'll – they'll they're honest about it i think for the most part you know um they're not just going to sit by and it's just teaching them i think you have to really engage them a lot more and um find out different ways to make them learn because i think they're so used to learning maybe you know scrolling through feeds and tiktok such a quick manner mm -hmm. that like how how do i get these students to best understand what i'm trying to teach them so yeah, for yeah. sure. Like, I feel like Gen Z's have the unique opportunity that, like, a lot of other generations didn't have, where, like, now it's, like, it's less about finding the information, because the information finds you. It's more about learning how to discern and filter out info, because info, they're just so inundated. I guess we're so inundated yeah. by stuff all the time. With your PhD program, how many students are there? Um, I think there's, like, three of us. <laughs> oh, there's, okay. like, three. Yeah, it's, like, a department, and then you apply to get in, and then... Um, there's like three in the immuno immunology and micro that are PhD first year students. And then second and third, I think there's about like four or five as well. So each year there's probably, I'd say to be safe, like five people maybe. Got it. Class. So it is kind of different, I guess, in the sense that like when you go to like pharmacy, dental school, med school, whatever, it's like you are expecting to kind of be in like this class setting. Mm -hmm. um, what's, what's it been like, I guess, like culturally, you could say, or like kind of like, I guess just adapting to a smaller learning group to work with. Or do you not work together? 
No, we do sometimes. We also have like medical students in our um, oh cool and, like pre-med students, I think, in some of our classes. So it's a mix. So I see like the people in my class, but it's also I see a bunch of other people. I have no idea who they are, um, but they're still smaller learning environments. Um, it's not as close, I think, as like pharmacy school, you know, because every every time in pharmacy school, you like sit in the same spot every day. Yeah. You, <laughs> spot, you had your friends, you'd say hi to them. Um, and Wait, here where was your spot in 120 or 170? I forget what. Okay, I was definitely in the back. I was like, yeah, the me third too. Row back, third row back. Was third it the row. left side of the room or the right side of the room? The left. Oh my god, me too. I was like a left backsider. Yep, yep. I was left yeah. backsider, and you know, I did. I was not in the front row, but um, but yeah, no, I like that spot, and so I always say hi to my friends, and it was just you know, like you you get your little group, and like that was your spot. So yeah, you know, everyone around you is here. It's like it's new. Um, you know, and everyone has like a different career goal and everyone's at different stages of their life. Some people have families, some people have kids, some people don't, you know, so it's so different. Whereas in pharmacy school, I felt like everyone really just, just started turning 21 at the same time, P3 year, you know, right. so it was, everyone was in it together was, this is a little bit different, you know, there's some sort of com um, camaraderie and uh, pharmacy school. I think that's yeah. why I look back so fondly on pharmacy school because we were all in this little bubble at the same point in our lives, just like kind of naive, like 18 to, I think I was like 23 or 24 by the time I graduated. Um, and just like, I feel like we all just kind of like grew up together. Like we just like figured out how to kind of adult. So I know that you've been through like a lot of changes too, with like changing the program, going from residency to PhD, moving. What do you think are some things that have helped you in like this whole transition and like helped you kind of, I guess, center yourself or create a new home for yourself now? Yeah, I think it's uh, reaching out to um, friends and mentors and, and, and being able, I guess, being honest with them too and like what you're going through. Mm. Um, I think as I was more honest, uh, people started to, you know, really support me and, and support, you know, how I was feeling or what I was going through at the time. And so they were able to be a really solid crutch for me to kind of lean on during some hard times, you know, mentor support, friend support. What you said about once you become more vulnerable with people, it's almost like we're always so afraid to admit that like maybe like we want to change paths or things like that like a lot of times we feel like we realize too late it's never really like too late it's like the sooner you admit to yourself and like live a more authentic life to like what you want the sooner you can like get on that right path if that makes sense yeah no 100 percent. i felt like oh my gosh if i go through this like what like am i doing the right thing like is this in my heart like is this what i feel like is right and you're just kind of like torn with yourself like is this my identity what do i do and i feel like you probably felt that way too going through something and then knowing that you had something else that you're passionate about and how to kind of switch career paths in a way, but still be relatable, you know? I'm yeah. sure the pharmacy degree definitely helped you in dental in dental school too. So, um, yeah. I don't know. Did it actually help you in dental school? <laughs> like 1,000%, but in ways that you wouldn't expect because everybody's like, oh, it probably helped you in pharmacology. And it, like, kind of did, but pharmacology was, like, they, like, really don't teach much uh, in dental mm -hmm. school. It, what it more so helped me was, like, know how to study, know how to talk to a person, like, a patient, like, a real person, and not, oh, like, true. like in, like, OSCE. Like, I used to be so scared of OSCEs in pharmacy school. I'd be like, oh. oh. <laughs> I loved OSCEs. I was like, this is my jam. Like, I'm ready to, I'd, like, pump up my groups before we go in. Oh, my gosh. I needed you in my group. You would have yes. been such a good person oh, to have. Loved um, it. I started saying random stuff, too. I was like, yeah, do this, and maybe I should have said that, but, yeah. <laughs> It was fun, that's so funny wait i'm so curious if they had the same actor um there was always like this one guy i forget his name he's like he had a big beard 
He was the Oski actor. Um, So for those of you guys that don't know, like our pharmacy school was like in the same town as this local theater group. And like for this local theater group, like this was their big break was like fake being our like fake patients at our pharmacy school. So, like, they would put their whole, like, everything into this role. Like, they're like, oh, you want me to pretend, like, I'm having a hard time with my insulin? Like, okay, I'll pretend it. Like, they were just, like, so into their roles. One more question I actually wanted to ask you on. Do you have any insight on, like, grant writing and that kind of stuff? I know it's, like, kind of, like, for me, it seems like a really elusive, hardcore topic. But can you help, like, break down any any sort of tips for anyone with that? So, I think, yeah, for me, it was definitely really a tough sort of getting into grant writing and, and seeing that whole process because it is a long process and it takes a lot of work um, and you mm. don't realize it. And so a lot of it is trial and error and a lot of it is writing and reading. And um, you got to like writing and reading. Um, <laughs> and I mean, you were writing like it feels like novels. Um, and so I think being able to have like a mentor sit down with you and talk about like that process, like, hey, this is what we're going to write first or have you review the grant with them is really helpful and I feel like that has helped me a little bit in my past experiences. Um, nowhere am I near writing a great grant by any means at this point in my in my career but I think just having that experience and being able to see that process is really helpful. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just trial and error, writing a lot of things down. What keeps you motivated through that whole process? Because I can imagine it can be really discouraging if you like submit things and then like you keep getting feedback back. You're like, what, like how do you stay motivated with that? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's hard. Cause like, you know, you want to be like, Oh, I don't agree with that person. Or like, you know, did you not read my paper or something <laughs> like that? But, um, you know, a lot of the times they do have good feedback. Um, but I think what keeps me going is like, you just, it, it's, there's like this rush when it does, I think get approved. You're like, Oh, Ooh, I did something right. It's, um, kind of, I don't know if it's like academic validation, but you're like, Ooh, like, okay, like you're trying to reach this goal. And once you get that goal, you're like, you're satisfied, but then you want more, you know what I mean? It's mm. like, you want more of that. And I think that's what keeps me going. But also knowing that some of these things that we're writing about, like can really help people at the end of the day. And I think that's what keeps me going is like, I can really make a huge impact on people's lives. Um, if we just keep, you know, going, moving forward and, and doing this research. So mm -hmm. I think it's, yeah, definitely a mix of both, but um, being able to hopefully find these cures for antibiotic resistance and stuff like that is that like your big like end goal like thing that you're really passionate about is um like helping that fight against antibiotic resistance i think in general i think it's just wanting to make a big difference mm. whether that be finding something in antibiotic resistance or discovering a new drug that can help people i'm not sure what exactly it is right now but i'm just hoping that i can make a big impact on somebody's life or multiple people's lives at the end of the day and that's kind of where I'm headed it's really cool hearing you talk about like how your big picture goal is like wanting to impact people because I can see like you're already doing it every day how you impact people on TikTok how you impact like your students that you're teaching how you're impacting like the world of research with what you're doing um, and I feel like that's actually like a good reminder to anyone listening like you don't have to be at your end goal graduated with a degree in your hand to like do what you want to do you know mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Very, very true. Very true. I think also your story is like really inspirational because in some ways people, I feel like it's really easy to like look at your timeline and be like, oh, it's going to take so long to like get to where I want to go. Like at least I, I felt that way being like, oh my gosh, four more years. I can't imagine. And like with a PhD, it's not like a set like end date, right? Mm -hmm. Or is it? No, it's like, oh, four years ish, but usually ish. five to six. Yeah. Oh, okay. Got it. 
Yeah, like, what would you, what advice would you give to anyone out there that's kind of like, they're starting to get that inkling that they want to go down that different path, but they're kind of tied up with the thought that their timeline is going to be, like, pushed back? Yeah. Oh, man. So I struggled with that. Once I graduated from my undergrad degree and I went to pharmacy school, I remember my friends were like, oh, you're going to go to pharmacy school? That's four years? Like, that's that's really tough. Like, good luck. And they're already getting jobs right out of graduating, right. going to, you know, being in nursing school and whatnot. I was like, okay, yeah, the four years will be worth it. And then I go through mm. it. And I'm like, you know what? It's it's my happiness. At the end of the day, I have to live with what I do. And I I want to be able to, one, make an impact. But also, I want to be able to do what I like every day of my life. You know, I don't want to be stuck in a miserable job just because of the money, because it's good. That's mm. not what I want to do. And I know that that doesn't bring me happiness. No amount of money could to, could bring me happiness as long as I like what I'm doing. And so... Um, I think I figured that out and I was like, you know what? Are you working at CVS? I figured that out. I was like, you know what? I don't even care if they paid me a million dollars a year. I would not do this because, you know, of XYZ, it's just not what I'm, what I like. And I don't go to work every day. I'm loving my life and I want to be able to, to say that I do. And so that's kind of where I, yeah, it's going to be extra years, but at least I know that every day when I work, it, it will be a reminder of, like I like what I'm doing and I, I don't hate waking up in the morning and I like to go to work <laughs> and I, I like what I do, you know, and that's, that's what I think helps me. I will go back to school again and again and again until I'm happy with what I'm doing, you know? Yeah. You or until FAFSA cuts me off then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I might, might live on FAFSA forever, but yeah, no, I agree. I, I mean, I don't know. I just think it's, that's important to me, but everyone has a different experience too. So yeah i think sometimes you know what it is i think sometimes when you think about like your dream life people think that they're so different from like their aspirations they're here so for example when i was in pharmacy school one of the things that kind of held me back from wanting to do dentistry was i looked at like these really cool dentists out there and i was like oh i can't be like them like i'm not like as smart as them as whatever as them i'm safer just staying where i am now and what mm -hmm. i realized is we're actually like not too different from those people it's just they made the decision to choose better or better like what they wanted for themselves you know mm -hmm. and i feel like life is just a series of choices of like are you going to be brave enough to like go for the life you want or are you just gonna settle with something that you know you know exactly yeah no that's such a great point i love that i think yeah you you hit it on the head like perfect or whatever i had saying. a lot of time to think about it <laughs> yeah no but it's so true it's like you really have to just kind of go with that you know and, and do what makes you happy at the end of the day regardless yeah. of how long it's going to take. But yeah, I think about that all the time. I'm like, well, I'm not married. I don't have kids. And everyone else is having kids and getting married. And mm -hmm. what am I doing? And I kind of just, just sit back and be like, you know what? Just Maybe that's just not what it's that's meant to be in my life right now. And and I'm okay with that, you know? I'm happy with, I have a roof over my head and I'm happy with where I'm at, so, yeah. Aside from, like, career and, like, from that standpoint, what's your life look like nowadays? Like, you know, Callan outside of, like, the lab and the school setting? Yeah, so I love snowboarding. Um, mm. I love I love going to the mountains. I love hanging out with my friends. Um, I go to Pier Bar with my roommate. Um, oh, I love she, that. Yeah, she's got me, like, onto that, so we do that sometimes. I actually thought it was really cool when I was um, doing my deep stock. I saw that you actually got baptized your P4 year right before graduating. What was like your thought process with that and what motivated you to do that? So I feel like that has always been something that I wanted to do. I just wasn't too sure. I wanted to make sure that, you know, it was a decision that I made, not anyone else's. 
and you know I have a different viewpoint on religion and so that is um you know I won't get into that but I think like for me I really had to rely on myself throughout my college years and um financially like emotionally and stuff like that and so you know being very independent at such a young age it really makes you rely on one on yourself but you're also you can only do that for so long so I think my P4 year it kind of took a toll on me I was like I felt like I didn't have anybody I was you know really going through a tough time and so I had to rely on something that was much bigger than myself and that happened to be my religion and so that kind of got me through that year and moving forward into you know residency and moving by myself and things like that and so I felt like this is something that I really wanted to do and I just kind of went with it and went for it and um, I had a really supportive group of people around me during that time and yeah it was really great so I'm happy I did it and um, it really just kind of like a symbol for me like you know I can't do everything myself I it's okay to rely on somebody else it's okay to rely on something that's much bigger than yourself and so that's kind of the, the sort of meaning behind it for me, at least. I yeah. love that. Oh, my gosh. Because I feel like when we're in school, it's always so go, 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 so busy. Like, anything else besides focusing on school almost feels like it's, like, too much of a luxury, like a distraction. But I feel like people forget to think that these things, like getting baptized or finding things that, like, really give you strength and nourish you are actually, like, part of the process. You can't just, like, hustle down that road of career or whatever alone. Right. Yeah. You got to take some time for yourself and, and do what makes you happy. And then also like be able to share those moments with people, you know? Well, that is all the questions that I have for you. But I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time. I know like this is like the time when you catch up on social media stuff, but it just means a lot to me that you took the time to record with me. So thank you. Oh, thank you. No, thanks for having me. I'm super excited and uh, love literally talking to you. So hopefully we get to do this again and you'll have to come on my podcast and talk about dental school and all that, all that fun stuff. So yeah, yeah it's been great. Yeah. I wish we lived closer. I know. No, honestly, like, <laughs> if you're ever in Boston, hit me up. If I'm ever near you, I'll let you know. <laughs> oh, I totally will. You got a place to stay. <laughs> oh, it's vice versa. Um, let the audience know your handles, where they can find you, and where they can listen to your podcast, too. Yeah, so you can find me on Spotify, Apple, iTunes. Um, our podcast is called PKPD, Practical Knowledge for Personal Development, where we talk about, um, you know, different career things within pharmacy, advancing in the profession and just kind of, you know, the struggles that we all go through and how to kind of be relatable in that sort of sense. Um, I'm also on TikTok at professional.drugdealer and Instagram at Callen Farm. So yeah, you can find me all there. Awesome. Thank you so much, Callen. And thank you so much for you guys out there listening. I hope you guys have an awesome day and I'll talk to you guys later. Bye.